Hello, this is Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that's fully plugged into the changing social, commercial and environmental landscape. And today we're looking at the rapid rise of the electric vehicle and asking what that means for the property industry. New entrants, they need to build that brand awareness with the consumers, so hence they're looking at high footfall city centre locations in global cities in order to drive that. What we've been presenting to landlords now is that these aren't really motor showrooms, they're technology hubs. It really is a completely different approach and, and something that's very, very exciting. The rapid chargers take about 360 kilowatts of power. And if you equate that to residential units, that one charger could use as much as 200 residential units. I'm Guy Ruddle and I'm joined by three of Savile's finest and most electrically charged minds today. Larry Brennan is head of European retail agency. He's been with Savile's man and boy and has spent much of the last year focusing on the retail side of the explosion in electric vehicle sales. Larry, uh, happy new year and welcome to the podcast again. Hi, Guy. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. Marie Hickey is no stranger to Real Estate Insights. She's a director in the commercial research team and, among other things, authored a report on electric vehicles last year. Marie, how are you? I'm very well, although not feeling very electrically charged after Christmas and New Year. (laughs) We'll, We'll fix that in the next 15, 20 minutes or so. And Thomas McMillan is a director in the Savills Earth team. He's currently involved in over 30 renewable energy projects for clients around the UK. Thomas, welcome to Real Estate Insights. Thank you for having me today. Well, it's an absolute pleasure. So let's get started. Uh, and let's start by, by sort of having a look at the global market for, for electric vehicles. Marie, do you want to just sort of give us a sense of, of where the market is? Oh, globally. E- easy. Um, I suppose we're at a bit of an inflection point in terms of globally and particularly in the case of Europe where we've got government policy, investment into electric vehicles, consumer demand all coming together to really drive significant appetite for electrical vehicles. And with that, we've seen um, sort of new EV-only brands enter the European market, some of those coming from Asia, but we're also seeing the established manufacturers also make very significant commitments to electric vehicles. So it's a very exciting time for the sector and it's thrown up some really great and interesting opportunities um, for landlords and you know city centres across Europe and globally. And Larry, I, I don't suppose you would have spent a lot of time uh, you're a busy man. I don't suppose you'd have spent a lot of time focusing on this in in the last year or so. If you if you didn't think that the market itself for for electric vehicles was was already going or, or particularly going to be very strong. Yeah. Well, uh, as Marie says, it's a it's a really interesting opportunity for the property market and for 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 landlords and particularly retail landlords um, because a lot of these companies are are new. Uh, they don't have legacy estates or dealer networks, and they're they're looking at the best ways of engaging with their consumers. So, uh, as we all know, wearing our retail hats is that the best way of dealing with or engaging with consumers is by by taking really good shops in really good areas, uh, and and that's what a lot of these brands have been doing. And is the market? So if we talk about Europe uh, specifically, which is your territory, is it is it one market, or are there big differences between different countries within Europe? Uh, interesting one. Yeah, I, I think uh, the 
home or the, the focal point has tended to be Norway because Norway has been leading the charge, if it excused the pun, uh, in the, <laughs> so the electric vehicle So we're vehicle three market. minutes in and that's the first time, well, roughly three minutes in and that's the first time we've got that pun out, out of the way. Excellent. <laughs> well, at least it's done. Yeah, yeah. it's gone. So, so Norway has very much been the focus um, uh, and has been leading the way. Uh, and that's where a lot of these brands have landed into. So I, I guess that's been the start. And what we've witnessed is interest tending to be focused on Northern Europe as a start, but now very, very much percolating down in, into the southern countries, you know, Iberia, Italy, uh, who would have thought the Italians would, would, would engage in electric cars. But, but absolutely, it's now, it's now a much broader requirement across the, the whole continent. And Thomas, with your uh, Earth hat on, uh, this is really your area. Uh, I, 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 do you want to talk numbers, or, or do you have sort of general thoughts on on where the market's going to go in the next few years? Well, I, I think Larry's reference to Norway is interesting because it has had the headlines and, and been leading the way. In I think it was November twenty twenty one, ninety percent of car sales were EV, new car sales were EVs in Norway. But interestingly, Norway is a smaller market than elsewhere in, in Europe. So although they've got the high percentage figure, when you look at overall sales, you can see that Germany, UK and France and, and, and Italy are leading the way and will quickly surpass Norway. So I think a lot of the infrastructure, a lot of the focus that Norway's had over the last two or three years and the headlines that it's grabbed actually are going to be quickly surpassed by those other countries I've just mentioned. How much of this is is existing car makers, you know, producing electric vehicles, and how much of it is new brands coming into the market and with new ways of thinking? I suppose the new brands are the ones probably grabbing all the headlines. And if you look at sort of, you know, their market cap, the likes of Tesla, even though in terms of unit counts, they trail way behind some of the more established players, their market cap is is much larger. They are attracting you know, the new investment. And we've seen established players like Volvo spin out new EV brands like Polestar, um, which I think are expected to float um, later this year to capitalise on that investment interest. I think it's a, it's a combination of the two. I think it's a case of the EV only brands, the new entrants are definitely the ones to watch. But I think a lot of the growth will, you know, the bulk of the market will be driven by the established players. Yeah. So, but I think that the interaction from a property market point of view is really coming from the new brands because I think what Tesla proved was that A, you can build a brand and create a motor brand pretty quickly. Um, but, but also because of the fact that they don't have you know, legacy dealership networks is that they can engage directly with the consumer and, and sell directly to the consumer and you know, champion you know, online car sales, uh, which I, I guess none of us would have foreseen a few years ago. So in terms of our engagement and our, uh, the, what's happening in the high street retail property market, it's those new brands and those emerging brands are the ones who are leading the charge. Uh, again, I use that pun, but again, leading, leading the, the, the approach um, in terms of, of taking really prime high street space uh, and going out and seeking that direct engagement with the consumer. Yeah, yes. and, and just in, yeah, like Larry's, if you look at the real estate, it's definitely the new brands. But, and also what's really exciting about them, they're looking at their real estate, how they sell vehicles totally different to the established players. And 
particularly new entrants, they need to build that brand awareness with the consumers. So hence, they're looking at, you know, high footfall city centre locations in global cities in order to drive that. And they're not necessarily trying to sell a car in the showroom. It's actually just about highlighting the brand, showing what the vehicle's about. And at the end of the day, whether that sale happens in the showroom or online is almost irrelevant. Is that really the case, Larry? I mean, do these brands want a a totally different type of property to to traditional, traditional car brands? Yeah, completely. In terms of where where we've been interacting is is prime high streets, um, high profile city centre, relatively small premises in some cases, as you know, three hundred square meters is probably about the average size. So somewhere where you can showcase um, just a couple of models, because again, I think you will find with the new brands they are they are two and three model um, uh, car companies. That's what they're selling. They don't need these these vast uh, suburban um, showroom sites. And yeah, okay, there are certain things that are important. You know, uh, the ability to to actually test drive a car, be able to walk to a car car parking space where somebody can actually experience the drive, but it, it really is focused on engaging directly with that consumer um selling the lifestyle um you know that that really has been been something that 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 has been repeated back to us by these brands that must be fascinating to deal with right because it's a it's a whole new world you know the 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 dynamics and requirements are are, are something you've i guess not come across before no it's fantastic And, and again even from a landlord uh standpoint a few years ago when we started um you know disengagement uh, uh, and with with the sector, uh, landlords were were reluctant insofar as you know why am I going to let a motor sales firm into my 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 building, uh, thinking that it'd be relatively short term faddy whatever whatever way. But really, what we've been presenting to landlords now is that these aren't really motor showrooms; they're technology hubs. Um, or you know certain brands, the likes of Neo. Neo are taking major, major, uh, large stores. They would have taken a store of two thousand square meters in Oslo um, in twenty twenty one for what they call as their Neo House concept, which is a complete lifestyle uh, experience. Um, you know, it it really is a you know completely different approach and and something that's very very exciting. Are the sort of sort of specific i mean i know that a lot of the infrastructure that you need for for normal cars isn't needed but are there sort of specific things if you're going to shove i don't know two or three cars into a showroom in the in you know right in right next door to a, a fashion store uh yeah definitely um a couple of things access which people don't think about obviously you you need to have a window that's wide enough or a or an access point that's wide enough to to wheel a car in charging infrastructure in the building itself is not necessarily an issue but you do need to have spaces nearby as i mentioned and and they need to have charging infrastructure connected to them but the other thing to remember is actually the fabric of the building itself um because you know evs are heavy they're perhaps 50% heavier than a than a standard car so your your building has to be able to take considerable weight because your your three ev models are equivalent to having five standard cars uh, on the in in terms of weight uh, in the sales area so the physical fabric of the building has to be good 
I think the point that Larry's raising around the retail space is really interesting. From my perspective, a lot of my focus in the Travels Earth team and, and providing consultancy is around charger locations and providing that infrastructure for people to charge their vehicles. And that does interface a lot with the retail um, market and, and in particular out of town retail. We've seen a huge amount of activity there. And, and those sites are often well located in terms of um, large public highways and, and good access off those highways. So they form good locations for both destination charging, where people are going shopping already and need to charge their EVs, but also en route charging. So if they're doing long distances, stopping at those retail parks and, and getting rapid or super rapid charging. And there's a really interesting interface there where you're creating a service for existing customers, but you can also attract new customers in. And then a number of those um, large, super rapid charging, so the likes of um, GridServe, they have a retail um, element to, to that charging. So it's, it's, it's really starting to alter the way that people are looking at out-of-town retail sites. And, you know, the sites of the future, I think the ones that do have those good links to the highway will be better positioned in the long term than those that are um, maybe further away from, from motorways and A-roads. Because that is the, a, a fascinating thing about the, you know, the future. You know, petrol stations will, uh, I'm guessing, will no longer exist. And you, you don't need all the same infrastructure and space for those. Do, do you, Marie, do you, do you see a world where, where char, you know, offering charging is a, you know, is a massive draw for people? And could anyone do it? Could a restaurant, I don't know, do it? And you, you charge while you eat and things like that? I think the charging infrastructure is... A big issue and particularly in the case of UK, London, key cities, you know, having the infrastructure, let alone the charging points is, you know, key if government policy targets are to be met. Thomas, that's a really interesting point, isn't it, about the infrastructure, like the sort of the mainframe of, of you know, getting electricity everywhere. I, yes. I, I know I'm being very, very simplistic about this, but is that is that a government job? They're not taking responsibility for it. In, in <laughs> the, the responsibility will lie with the, um, the national grid and the distribution network operators who look after um, the, 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 the local grid network. And it's a real challenge. I, I think the key is understanding where power is going to be available. So whether a site is next to um, a part of the grid infrastructure that has good power availability and that's a large part of what we do within our team now is we we're advising clients on the grid infrastructure um, in relation to um, you know passing vehicles in particular and, and trying to identify where you get the passing vehicles and you'll get the use of the charges that, that creates the revenue but also where you can get those cheap grid connections and available power and I think that, that there is an important element to EV charging, which is making sure you're putting in the right type of charging for the, the site needs. Um, so if you're a uh, domestic property, you can have a slow charger, which allows people to charge overnight. If you're an office, then you may well put in a slow or fast charger. And then if you're retail, um, you're more likely to put in um, a rapid or, or um, super rapid charger um, because that gives people power much more quickly. So th there is an exercise of making sure you put in the right charger infrastructure to the um, the customer needs. Uh, the the amount of charge that a charger needs 
is, is, is also an interesting point because the rapid chargers take about 360 kilowatts of power. And if you equate that to residential units, that one charger could use as much as 200 residential units. Wow. So I think developers and, and existing property owners need to be careful that they don't give away grid availability to just EV charging and then sterilize other development opportunities. And, and that's a real area of caution to get the balance right. Larry, I just wanted to jump back to to the retail side of things and ask you a question about whether you think it's going to to stay as, as, as it is now or whether it's going to change. And I just wonder whether, you know, you were saying that one of the advantages uh, or, or differences that the, the, these new players have is they only have a, a few models, so they don't need so many, you know, cars in a showroom and things like that. Do you think that'll carry on or do you think in a way that that, that market will mature into much more like the traditional showroom market in, in uh, you know, in, in the long term? Yeah, well, well I, I guess you... Everybody looks to Tesla, I guess, as the the, the forerunner. It's not this uh, explosion into uh, all sorts and full range. It's quite a focused business model. And I think that's certainly where the new brands are looking. And that's what they are looking at. Maybe SUV, you know, mid-size saloon and, and, and uh, a third budget model seems to be the way forward. I think we could see some of the established car brands actually come into the city centre. We've seen, you know, IKEA, for example, um, open city centre stores. I think for some of these car brands, they'll see the competition from these new entrants focusing on city centres as, you know, they need to get in there too. To Essentially, it's about brand awareness and you need to go where you can capture the greatest amount of brand awareness. So you need to yeah. be where people are. So time for our new-ish feature, uh, tell me something I don't know. This is, I, I mean, you could almost say anything and it would be something I don't know in, in, in this market. But um, where should we start? Let's start with Thomas. Thomas, um, uh, not much of a challenge, but tell me something I don't know. Okay, well, we've heard about um, Tesla a couple of times um, in this discussion. And yes, they're the biggest uh, EV car manufacturer and they're followed by Volkswagen. Volkswagen, but actually a third and fourth largest EV manufacturers are companies called SAIC and BYD, two Chinese companies who combined sold over one million EVs last year. So two companies to watch out for. Companies that most people, I guess, will never have heard of. Uh, Marie? That go- that ties in very nicely to my uh, fact. Um, yeah, just sort of we are going to see more of these Asian brands um, come into the European market. And, you know, Savills obviously have a big business out in Asia and in China. And we have relationships in Asia with 23 EV only um, brands um, that operate showrooms, but only four of those are currently in Europe operating showrooms. So I think we'll see many more to come over the next few years. Yeah. Wow. Larry, tell me something I don't know. I guess think of Germany as the birthplace of the internal combustion engine. So um, by 2025, it's predicted that 40% of German car sales will be EVs. Wow, that's amazing. 
Thank you all very much for being uh, part of this episode of Real Estate Insights. Thanks for your time. Uh, more importantly, thank you for your wisdom. Uh, if you want to delve into the detail more, obviously there's the research section of the Savills website, savills.co.uk slash research. You get all sorts of stuff there. But you can also go to savills.com where there is a specific section on electric vehicles. Just search electric vehicles. And on there, there's blogs, there's reports, there's even case studies of work that Savills has done with uh, electric vehicle brands. Uh, plenty to get your teeth into there. So that's it. As I say, that's it for this episode of Real Estate Insights. Thank you very much for listening and see you next time. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.